Good evening. Thank you for coming back tonight. I'm thankful that you have chosen to be here. We've got a good crowd tonight, if Tim counts correctly. Um, and uh, he's up there working on it. And uh, so if you'll he'll count here, if one of you will run back over here so he counts you twice, that'd be great. Uh, thank you again for being here. This morning, I think, was a good morning. I'm thankful for those who have come together and with the opportunity to worship. Thank you for joining us tonight on live stream as we come together and worship. I know that you were blessed Wednesday night uh, by Joey Spann. I've heard a lot of people talk about what a great blessing that was for him to come speak on our Summer Faith Series. And know that this next Wednesday night, uh, we'll have another uh, good speaker, and I hope that you'll be here for that each Wednesday night through this summer. And it's a good time to invite friends and to bring them. So they'll get to hear people uh, speak and get to hear God's Word being taught and get to be introduced to some of the greatest people there are, and that's you. So be looking for opportunities to invite people. Uh, there's fewer and fewer congregations that have anything on Wednesday nights anymore, if you know that. I'm talking about across all religious walks. It's a good time to invite people, especially in the summer, uh, to come with you, and I think it'll be a great blessing for them and for you. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you and thankful for this opportunity to worship. We're thankful for all those who showed up tonight with opportunity to do what? To tell you of your greatness, God. And I pray that you know that we've talked about your holiness tonight and your love and your power and about us building our faith on you. And Lord, we want to do that. Lord, help us tonight to see what your word says, to allow it to fill our lives. And Lord, help us to live our lives out in a way that shows people who you are. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Have you ever been mad? Everybody in here, I'm going to guess, has been angry at some point in time. What did you do about it? There's some people who act very violently when they get mad. There's some people who pout. There's some people who, who yell. We could go through, and there's a lot of different things. Have you ever written a letter while angry? Last Sunday night, uh, a couple of couples went to a, a, a restaurant to be left nameless, uh, but they served really good biscuits and cornbread. Uh, and, and so we went there to eat after, after services. And I, I kind of knew we were in trouble uh, when, our, uh, when our server only had one star. Not that you know where I'm talking about, but only had one star. And then he told us how good he was going to be before he served us. Don't set up expectations. I'd rather you tell me you're the worst. That way, if you come back and you do a pretty good job, then, then the other. When he brought our, uh, our drinks to us, uh, the, the, the unsweet tea came off his tray, hit the table, uh, completely soaked uh, one of the people of our party, uh, completely also went in uh, Ezekiel's uh, uh, seat. His car seat was soaked, which means we got to hold him the entire time, which I love that, but it would have been great to actually eat a warm meal that I was paying for. But we didn't want to put him down, and, and uh, then again, it was, uh, and, and he was really nice. The guy went and got us about three napkins to clean up this half a gallon of tea. <laughs> it was really awesome. This other 
worker there came out and he was awesome. He brought out a bunch of towels and really tried to help and it was not a good experience. And this week I, uh, I wrote an email to the company. I didn't, I, I, I didn't ask him to fire anybody and I, I, I praised the young man's uh, positive Things. I said, it had been nice to have seen a manager at some point in time. He could have recognized us because we're the ones that looked like we had just gone swimming before we came in. It had been really easy to spot us, you know. And, and I just remember going through that. And the thing is, most of the time, I was not happy, but I waited actually two or three days before I wrote it. Thought about it a little bit. Can I tell you, one of the dangers of uh, cell phones is people t- text angry. And did you know once you hit that button, you can't get it back? It's gone. It is gone, and you cannot bring it back. And and the thing is, when we do that, sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes we really need to blow off steam, and the best thing we could do is write that complete letter out and then burn it. Did you know that there's one of the letters that I read that Paul wrote that I believe he wrote angry? I believe he was very frustrated when he wrote this letter. And we have it, so it is something I think that will be worth us looking at. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Galatians. I think this is a letter that Paul wrote when Paul was very frustrated with a group of people. And I think it was something that had a point that he wanted to get across. And as we look at this, I want us to think about him writing this and what he was trying to tell this group of people at the church in Galatia. The only thing about the background here, uh, there's a problem going on there. One, the church is in Galatia. It's not just to one congregation. There's a lot of congregations in this area. They do not want to be led. They don't want to be led, so what they're doing is they question Paul's authority. Who is he to talk to us? He's not a real apostle. He's not one of the original 12, and, and so they question his authority also. The Jewish Christians are requiring the Gentile Christians to keep the Torah, that's the old law, in order to be considered faithful. So they're really struggling here, and and this is sort of the background to Paul writing this and trying to help them to hold on to the gospel of Christ of what was first written to them and what was first told to them. Let's begin reading and look. Paul's going to deal with his authority first. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. Paul came out of the bat and said, listen, I'm an apostle, and guess what? There was no man that made me an apostle. God did. He started out by showing who he was and that he had a right to talk to them the way he's going to talk to them, that he has authority given to him by God. Jesus said the same thing, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth for he gives the great commission to say, I have the authority to say that. Paul says, I have the authority. He said, I wasn't voted in to be an apostle. Nobody sat around and and voted and said he should be an apostle or shouldn't be an apostle. Um, If you answer that, invite him to church, okay? That'd be great. Tell him to join us on the live stream. Let's think about this. He said, I have the authority. I have the authority. I am an apostle. He said, I'm not man-made. I'm not elected. I was chosen by God. We know that if we know the story of Paul, that he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus Christ did what? Jesus Christ 
met him on that road. It blinded him. He fell to the ground. And, and, and Jesus told him to go to the, the street called Straight, and it would be told there what to do to him. And that day, three days later, when somebody went, Paul was baptized from his sins. He said, I was chosen to be an apostle. It wasn't an election. I was chosen by God. After setting that straight, he goes into being really kind. He, he says, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us at this, uh, from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, grace and peace to you. That, that is something that we see in a lot of Paul's letters. He wants people to have the peace of God. He wants people to know God's love for them. And he tells you it came, and grace and peace come from God and from Jesus. He reminds them what? He reminds them that, that Jesus died for us. He is our Lord. That he died for us, and, and for them to remember that, he starts out, I am an apostle, I am writing this. Once you know grace and peace be to you, and know what? Know that Jesus Christ died for us. See, if you read Paul's letters, you're going to see over and over again, he repeats the gospel over and over and over. He points everybody to Christ. Even after saying, I'm an apostle, he turns around and gives glory and honor to Christ. That's a big deal. He wants people to see Christ, and, and he says, but there's a problem that's going on here with this group of people. There's a, a big problem. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That word there, astonished, is a, a really neat word. We think about little kids being astonished. Right? You blow bubbles and you see them in all of that. And, and this same word is the word that's used throughout the Gospels when people saw miracles. Matthew 8, chapter, verse 5 says, And when he, Jesus, entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. When he continues on, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who are following, truly I say to you, I have not such, found such great faith as anyone in Israel. Jesus just said he was in awe of somebody else's faith. What a great thing to say about somebody. When Jesus says, when I saw this person's faith, I haven't seen any greater. He was in awe of someone's faith. We're used to people being in awe of God. Jesus said, I was in awe of this faith. And to think about that, I'm, he says, I am astonished. I'm astonished that you have deserted. That's the, we see this word here in Matthew chapter 15. It says, and large crowds came to him, bringing with him those who were lame and crippled and blind and mute and many others, and they had laid them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled. They were in awe as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is a different type of being in awe. 
This is sort of, you ever been in shock that somebody did something? You find out that somebody did something so horrible and you're, you're in awe, but you're in shock of it. It sort of blows you away. You can't believe they did that. That's what he's saying here. He said, I'm astonished. I'm in shock and, and I'm in awe, but not in a good way and how awesomely bad it is that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Imagine all the things that Paul saw in his lifetime. He said, it's astonishing to me that you're turning away from Christ. He's writing this to Christian. He said, you're turning a, to a different gospel. It's just not that there is one. He said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting. When you think of that, realize it's a, it's a military word. It, it, it means to go AWOL. We think about that, absent without leave, to abandon, disowning, or renouncing. This word deserting means that they are, in essence, leaving Christ. That's a big deal. He said, why would you leave the one who called you into his grace and walk away? How can you desert him? We have a lot of rights that come with being a U.S. citizen. Our freedoms, our protection. We think about the, the Constitution, we think about the, the Bill of Rights, we think about those things, and, and they give us certain protections, and it says, and we have those. When we renounce our citizenship, we lose those. He is saying to, to this group of Christians here uh, in Galatia, he's saying, why would you renounce your citizenship in heaven? Why would you desert him? Why would you want to walk away from him? He is the one who calls you into grace and truth. Why would you go a different way and go away from him? And you are so quickly deserting him. Have you ever seen somebody walk away from God? I think most of us have. In all of our thoughts, it's probably some of the most painful things that we think about is to think about somebody that we know who has walked away from God. Can you imagine a large part of a congregation walking away from God? Choosing something different than Jesus, and, and that's what he's dealing with here. He's trying to encourage them. He starts off by saying, I'm an apostle. I have the authority to say this. And, and I want you to remember that Jesus Christ is the one that died on a cross for you. And grace and peace be multiplied for you in God and in Christ. Then he turns around and says, I am so astonished that you're so quickly deserting him. He, he's the one who gave everything for you. Why would you walk away from them? All the blessings we have are in Christ. There's some Bible studies you can do with people, and I hope that we, we want to do these. One of the great Bible studies you can do with someone is to read through the book of Ephesians and look at all the times it says in Christ. You can go through and you can circle in Christ all the way through there. It talks about you are saved in Christ, all these different things, the blessings are in Christ. And you can circle those, and you can draw a big circle on a piece of paper and put in Christ and then outside of Christ. He is saying, why would you be someone who's in Christ, desire to go outside of Christ? Why would you desert him? Why would you walk away? Why would you change directions? And realize these people do not think they are. 
They think they're still being faithful. They haven't stood up and said, hey, I believe in atheism. I'm choosing to be an atheist. He's about to tell, tell you what he's doing. He, he, he's saying your relationship with Jesus is changing. Let's read it all together. He said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you've received, let him be accursed. Paul's language is very strong here. Very, very strong. What's this another gospel? He said, not that there is one. He said, there's only one true good news for, for God's people. What is it that they're turning to? I think one of the problems we get into is we try to read this through our eyes today and not see what he was talking about then. I've heard a lot of sermons said, and they go through and says, there's only one gospel, so don't believe in another gospel. So they say, beware of the sinner's prayer. That's what he's talking about. Is the sinner's prayer in Scripture? No, that is not the way to heaven. Baptism for remission of your sins is the way there. Is that necessarily what he's talking about here? No. Some would say, hey, another gospel, we, we can look at uh, Mormonism or we can look at Jehovah's Witness, that they have a different plan. Are, are those things contrary to Scripture? Yes, they are contrary to Scripture. But that is that what he's talking about in context here? No, it's not. Would it surprise you to, to know that he's talking about legalism? People who are trying to make Christianity stricter, more restrictive than Jesus intended? He's calling that another gospel. See, the people there during this time that are causing so many problems with this congregation are saying, yes, Jesus is really awesome, but so is Moses. So not only do you need to keep whatever Jesus said, but you also need to keep the Torah. You need to keep those first five books of the Old Testament. You need to keep the, the law. You need to keep the 613 laws that were, that were taken from those. You need to be Jesus plus that is what you need to do in order to be saved and, and to be a good Christian. They would say you could be a good Christian with just Jesus, but... If you really want to be pleasing to him, you need to keep everything Jesus said and everything that's written in the first five books of the Old Testament. See, that's what they're requiring. See, Mosaic law is something that Jewish Christians would be familiar with. You have a moral law that, that we know if we go through and we looked at the Ten Commandments, those are morality things, right? Not having another God before them. That's something you would look at to not uh, covet uh, your neighbors anything that they have, to not commit murder, to not lie, to not steal. And those things would be there. Then there is the ceremonial law requiring circumcision, keeping the Sabbath day, keeping all the dietary and, and food laws. Going through all the, the things of being clean or unclean and all the purification rites, and we could go on and on and on. And then there's the civil law that has to do with what you pay back someone if you were to, to, to take a life of one of their animals, whatever else. All those things are listed. What they really wanted to do is tell people that what you have to do is you have to keep the ceremonial law of Moses also along with everything else Jesus teaches. What's the problem with that? 
The problem is it's not the gospel. It's not, if that were enough, why did Jesus come? If you could just keep the, the old law and keep it, why did Jesus have to come? He came to do what to that law? Nail it on the cross. He fulfilled it. It was nailed to the cross. He did away with it, and now they're saying, oh, yeah, by the way, you need to keep doing these things in order to be right with God. A writer by the name of Scott McKnight says this. He said, legalism, according to the Galatians, was a religious system that combined Christianity with Moses following the law of Moses. I'll not say the word. In a way that demanded commitment to Israel's law as the climax of one's conversion to Christ. Since the deeper commitment to the law, according to Paul, was subversive to the adequacy of Christ. Let me say this. To say that you need Christ plus something else negates who Christ is. To say that I need Jesus and this other thing is going completely different what Jesus says. They said you need Jesus and Charlton Heston, okay? All right, you need Jesus and the Ten Commandments. You need Jesus and this law in order to be right because he said the most right you could be is to keep the ceremonial law perfectly and to do what Jesus has said. What's the problem with that? It's not why Jesus came. That's not why he came. He said, if these things aren't the gospel, and adding what, what the law of Moses into the gospel, if that thing's not it, what is the gospel? If you were to read the book of Galatians with a highlighter and go through, I've got a Bible. It's a really neat. It's called the Inductive Study Bible, and you have symbols for everything, and you have colors, and you go through, and, and you mark up uh, book by book as you go through. If you were to go through the book of Galatians, and read those chapters, you would find the word Christ 16 times, 33 times, the word Jesus 16 times, the word gospel 11 times, the word faith 23 times. Can I tell you that the, the point of Galatians is Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the one that we rely on. It's not Jesus and Moses and Jesus and, 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 what, and what Moses has taught. It is Jesus alone. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes through and he lays out what the gospel is. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He was raised again according to the Scriptures. What did He say this is of first importance? I don't know how many sermons Paul had. John the Baptist had one big one, right? Repent, and the Messiah is coming. I don't know how many sermons Paul had, but can I tell you the gospel was part of that ser those sermons. He said, what I told you, the, the people at Corinth, is of first importance, what you have got to know is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he was buried and on the third day he was raised. Everything centers around that. He, he said, that's it. 
He comes back and says, here is why it makes a difference. Verse 50 says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. For the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Why does it matter? Because these bodies that we're in now, one day will fail us. And one day we will die and we will be buried unless the Lord comes back first. But when the Lord comes back, we'll be what? Raised from the dead. We will be raised from the dead. And, and he says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of sin is the what? The law. Wow. Comparing people said, don't go backwards. Jesus came to free you. Jesus came so that you would know freedom. Jesus came so that you would not be a, a slave to sin or a slave to this old law. He came to save you. Do not try to add to what he has said. And we have to make a response to that gospel plea. It is a big deal. He said there is only one gospel, and, and our response has to be to, to accept him. Verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your neighbor is not your labor is not in vain. When he says, Because this is the gospel, do what? Be steadfast, that is, be faithful. Be vigilant. Also do what? Immovable. Don't let your faith change in the fact that Jesus Christ died for you, that he was buried, he rose on the third day, and always abound in what? In his work. I do think it's neat that he tells you to keep working, that's to be steadfast, and he says immovable, and then be abounding. He's not telling us to sit still. He said, have faith in this, and because of this faith, don't quit and keep working. How big a deal is it to Paul that for them to realize this is the gospel? He says, if I've said before, so now I say again, if any man preach you another gospel unto him that he has received, let him be accursed. We don't practice this a lot in our culture. It's being shunned. being disfellowshipped. Don't have anything to do with them. If somebody's trying to change the gospel of Christ and trying to add this on, do not entertain that. You need to con continue on. And, and he's talking here to, to Judaizers. Isn't it interesting that he's telling the people that the most dangerous people to the church are not non-believers. If a congregation is destroyed, it will always be destroyed from the inside out, not the outside in. He's saying the most dangerous people there are people who seem to know the Old Testament and, and, and want to, to put that on you. Is the Old Testament important? Yes, it was there for our learning. We should know it. Because in the story, we have the complete story of the Bible. We have the story of God and his love for us and everything he did in order to, to, for his son to come die for us, all the preparations we can learn. I've said before, you usually say it when I'm teaching teenagers, but I can say it to you. 
Smart people learn from their mistakes. Really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. That's what the Old Testament is, is it not? We see people continually failing God. We learn from them. Also, we learn how to be faithful. What's so funny is you would think that the Jewish Christians, the people they want to throw out are the Gentile Christians who aren't willing to be Jewish. And he said, no, these Judaizers who are trying to demand more, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. Can you imagine the peer pressure there would be to fall in line? Sometimes we think that teenagers are the only ones susceptible to peer pressure. No, everybody's susceptible to peer pressure. And they're trying to force them into to a certain thing. And, and we look, and, and Paul says this, For am I seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, I'm not saying this to be popular. I'm saying this because I'm a servant of Christ. He's also telling them, you need to make that same decision. Are you going to please other people or please Jesus? He puts this in front of them. He said, if I were just going to please people, that'd be great, but I would cease to be, I would cease to be a servant of Christ. I can't imagine how intimidating it would be for a Gentile Christian because the only Bible they have at this time is what? The Old Testament Scriptures. To go to a place where the Jewish Christians already know that book. And you would want to fall in line with them. You wouldn't want to be assimilated, but he's saying no. Don't allow them to put bonds on you that Jesus did not put on you. See, the gospel is from Jesus. Don't get pulled into that. And, and he said, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul just said, I did not have to go to Harding or Freed Hardeman to learn the gospel or Hebrew Union of Cincinnati. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't go sit down with the apostle Peter and allow him to teach me about it. I didn't ask the apostles, you know, where I got the gospel from? Direct revelation from Jesus. It's pretty powerful to me. He says, I know what it's like to come out of that background. He has been there and he has done that. He says, verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. As I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Imagine what it's like for somebody to say, Hey, I've walked down that path. I have walked down that path and walked in the tradition of my fathers. That's what I did. He said, but the message I have for you about the gospel of Christ is straight from the source. It's straight from the source. Have you ever drank from a spring? It's pretty awesome. You know, if you're drinking from a stream, look what is upstream from you. Always look, okay? That can go badly. They said, I got this from the source. Verse 15, he says, but, but when he who set 
uh, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who are apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and I returned again to Damascus. He said, here's who taught me about Christ. Christ did. They're going, you didn't live during the same time. He said, I learned through the direct revelation of Jesus, who Jesus was and who my message is. I did not go to someone else and allow them to go, okay, you can say this and you can't say this. He said, my message comes from Christ. And the gospel went from Jesus to Paul to them. He said, you can trust it because my message came from Jesus to me, and I'm giving it to you. What's he saying? Don't listen to these other people. Their message is not from Christ. See, if we look through and read through 1 Corinthians 15 about the gospel, the gospel is very simply this. Jesus loves you. And because Jesus loved you, he, he lived a life where he died on a cross, where he sacrificed himself on a cross for us because of that love to take away our sins. He was buried, and, and on that third day, he rose again to show the power of the Father and his power to overcome death. And one day, he's coming back. See, those things will never, ever change. And Paul says, if anybody teaches you anything besides this, that is not the gospel. As one writer says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Paul's message is that Jesus is the gospel. Not Jesus and Moses, not Jesus and this other law, but Jesus. Why well, do you think Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I believe this so much. I crucified my old self. For Christ. In Galatians 3 and a couple chapters later, what he says this, the salvation is in Christ alone. He said, For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. His message is about Christ. It is Christ, Christ, Christ over and over and over again. I talked about going through Ephesians and looking at in Christ. I love here that we see in Christ versus into Christ. There are certain things that we need to bring out to, to help us to see. A short English lesson. If I jump in the pool, I'm already in the pool jumping up and down. If I jump into the pool... I go from outside the pool to inside the pool with a great splash. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. One day I would like to ch challenge Michael Phelps to a floating contest. Okay, that's, that's my skill set, all right? From outside to inside, that's where we are. If we want to go from outside of Christ to inside of Christ, we do that by being baptized for mission of our sins. Tonight, don't let anybody else send you a different gospel. 
And if we can help you tonight in anything, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?